Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Life Project, where I am your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Oh, I cannot wait to get into yet another one. Thanks for tuning in. Always an enjoyable time. Thought we would do another shout out. Please like and subscribe to this channel as well as write a review. We will read the fun, quirky reviews on our next episode. So we are just starting that out. We have an amazing guest today for you. His name is The Justin Wise. We like to do the the in front of all the important people. He gets one of them. Congratulations. And so let's go into the bio. We will shoot it from there. Justin is the proud owner and founder for a company called Think Digital, which believes that marketing your business online didn't need to be so damn difficult or scary or confusing. <laughs> if you have the right guide, it's actually pretty simple. Welcome to the show, Justin Wise. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. Yeah, we boy. We have like, a, like more of an applaud. We got to figure that we out. We got to get a better What's mixing board, I think. What's going on Where's over here? Where's my applause? You need some applause. All right. We're jumping right into it because that's what we do. And this is the reason why I wanted Justin on the show. Justin was running what he would call a, a successful business at Think Digital. And then all of a sudden he woke up and realized that he hated his life. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that kind of in jest, kind of serious. He realized that he didn't really enjoy his every day. So he made a, an abrupt stop and an abrupt adjustment in his business. And that right there, my friends, is the key to what I want to focus in on. How in the world did you know how to do that? But we won't get into it first. Let's talk about your kind of history and talk about Fig Digital, because that's where I think we can grab our listeners in, just telling them the story. Uh, so Think Digital was like, it was this, it was, it was this, uh, I don't know that I, there was ever a moment where I was like, hey, I'm going to start this company. And we're going to do digital marketing, and we're going to do coaching, and we're going to do consulting. It was like this evolution. Mm. And I can draw a line to its start, to its beginnings you know, back in high school. Mm -hmm. um, so long story short, I was, uh, our, our high school uh, had a radio station in it. And which is, which was, which was strange. It was weird. It was not normal, but I loved it. And uh, so I was on the radio all the time and this was an actual radio station. So people could drive about town here in Des Moines and actually hear high schoolers on the radio for real. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, you know, as terrifying as you might imagine um, in terms of what they let go out over the airwaves. But one thing that I loved was just opening up a microphone and talking to people and having them respond. Now, this is back in the 90s before social media and all this kind of stuff. So people would call in on the phones. But I love this back and forth nature of media. And so Fast forward to college, did radio in college, fast forward to after college, and I did what's totally natural and normal 
for someone who went to college for an electronic media degree and I became a pastor. Because <laughs> that's what you do. You absolutely do. Left turn. Loving on people. Yeah, just loving on people, left and right. And uh, so one of the things that, there's a long, boring story into why that happened, but when I got into working in the church, uh, I realized that my interests still gravitated towards media. And I actually enjoyed um, doing kind of the marketing pieces of my job more than I actually enjoyed being a pastor. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> important detail. Uh, yeah. So, so not to say like, I didn't do a good job at it. Not to say I didn't enjoy the people I worked with. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, for some people to hear that and that they're like, that can be abrupt and shocking, but Hey, uh, if you are not a faith-based person, this won't apply. But if you are, I guarantee you there are people in your church right now who do not enjoy what they're doing. Sorry mm -hmm. to break it to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I listened to that voice. And what I was doing at the church at the time was building our online presence, for lack of a better term. Okay. And I, that's what I enjoyed the most. So building a website, uh, building kind of the marketing aspects, getting us on Facebook, on the building our email list, and all this kind of stuff, I really enjoyed it. And so long story short, realized like, hey, I don't really enjoy this part of what I'm doing, but I really like this part, this digital side. Why don't I just go do this? Mm -hmm. And so left the church in 2010, three months after I graduated seminary, by the way. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Your so parents were excited. Man, <laughs> man. My, well, my wife, you know, she went, got out of college with no debt and um, I didn't. And uh, so, so when I went to seminary, we paid for it out of pocket and she was my sugar mama at the time. Because mm. you don't make money working at a church, that might be a newsflash to some people. <laughs> uh, so she basically bankrolled my seminary education. Wow. And then three months after I got done, which took Flushed me out, it down the toilet. This was like, I'm out. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> so, oh, so started taking consulting clients with the digital marketing aspects. And then this was in probably 20, 2013 and 2014 basically said, Hey, I'm going to make a go at this. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. Nice. So Think Digital was created. Yeah. And I would like to just point out when you were in, like when you were in the, basically uh, in the church, you wrote a book about yes. what you were passionate about. What was that book called? The, the book was called The Social Church. And mm. it was a blending of, it's actually in writing that book where I realized um, uh, I, don't, I don't think I want to be in career ministry. I ah. really... Yeah, I, I gravitate much more towards the, and, and you know, fundamentally, without going into the details, it was as simple as it was when I was doing radio in high school. You have this medium, you can communicate a message through the medium, and it connects with all these different people who resonate with the message. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally, that was the part that I just, I loved and gravitated towards. Uh, and that's what writing the book helped me realize. And it was this blending of those two worlds and eventually led me to saying, I actually like the social part of this more than I like the church part of this. <laughs> and that's what you wrote about. Well, that's what, that's what the writing process helped me see for sure. Got it. So let's go to this. So now you start creating this company, Think Digital. 
And did you have a vision or a plan for it? Or were you just like, I will take anybody that walks into the door. If you're breathing, you're paying, you're in. Um, so the short answer to that is no, because, you know, I had my network. I built my network. I've worked at the church for seven, close to seven years. And so my entire network was in kind of the faith-based Christian community. And so, so, so the people that were coming to me, because uh, even when I was working at the church, I had folks kind of coming to me when I would speak at a conference, you know, back in the day, what we were doing, and I worked at a Lutheran church, what we were doing at a Lutheran church by having a Facebook page was like groundbreaking. <laughs> uh, you know, this is back in 20, this is back in 2007-ish, right around there. And so people were like, and we also live streamed our services, which I helped launch. And that was kind of brand new at the time. Um, and so people were like, well, hey, how did you do that? Sure. And so I would do these kind of small little consulting gigs. But when I kind of went out on my own, hung out my own shingle, that's where my network was. And so that's who came to me. Um, and so if I would say for the first year or so uh, of Think Digital, it was, you know, these faith-based organizations saying, Hey, help us get digital. Um, and then slowly, but surely, you know, this has been like an evolution, right? So slowly, but surely I realized like, you know what? I can't explain it. I can't put my finger on it, but I really like working with the commerce, like businesses. Yeah, Cause I had a few faith-based businesses who I would work with. And then eventually it just became like, my soul driving interest. So I wasn't so much interested in like nonprofits and churches, but I wanted to see like, Hey, how can I help businesses grow utilizing, you know, the tools that are available to us through digital marketing. And so the, the journey has been kind of this evolution to the point where about 20 was about 2016. I bundled up all of the faith-based components that I had been working on. And this was a course, this was an email list. So I created a bunch of courses and one of the courses was specific towards, um, you know, helping churches, faith-based organizations do digital marketing. So I bundled all this up and sold it hmm. to a different uh, brand, to a different company. And basically it was like, okay, I'm starting new and I'm only going after small businesses. Okay. So you had a uh, niche? Yeah. So, so I ditched that niche. That's a love title you right said there. there. Mm, that's yeah. a shirt. <laughs> ditch, ditch the niche. Um, and sold it to some really great guys who wanted to focus on that market. But that gave me eyes to see like, oh, hey, I really enjoyed that. That transaction right there where I took something that did not exist and I built it with my brain and sold it to somebody else for, you know, it wasn't retirement money. It wasn't FU money. <laughs> But it was like, that's a lot. I mean, that was what I used to make in a year at the church. And you're a young guy at that point, right? Like, how old were you when you did that? Um, so that was, I mean, that was, you know, only a couple, it was probably about 2015, 2016. So I was 35, 36. Yeah. But like your first exit, you know, in the, if you use the lingo. Yep. And I think one of the cool things about, about you, and I want to kind of keep uncovering on this episode, is that you're willing to pivot. You're willing to sell. You're willing to like, this isn't working. Yeah. And I think so many people get lost in that. Like, I can't change. I can't, I got to keep going. This is my lot in life. And, um, you know, when you really look at entrepreneurs, you know, even Steve jobs, I think for example, like he failed a lot mm -hmm. 
and changed a lot and broke a lot um, before he finally really got the Apple to where, you know, he wanted it to be with the iPod and all that. But I think that's one of the things that we, we see with more entrepreneurs is it's not working. So yeah, what was your, what was your wife like in that was along with these, you know, selling this thing that was working? You know, Carrie, and you guys know Carrie, so this won't be news to you, but um, for those who don't know her, this, and I don't want to get, I don't want to get overly emotional talking about this, but this whole journey would not have been possible had she not had the complete faith and trust in me to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know, and I talk to entrepreneurs who they start making money And, you know, you have to remember at this time in my life at 30, let's just say 36, 35, 36, I was making more, what I made in a year, I was making that in a month Wow! in my business. And that's a big shift from not even, you know, from going from at 30, doing 30 grand a year to within a few years of your business launching, doing 30 grand a month. Mm Yeah. And, but that never you know, that was never, that never became the thing for her. Um, and I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who, who, who they start making money and their, their family, their wives, their, their husbands for that matter, get used to a certain lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The status. The status. And it becomes protect that status at all costs. Wow. So, so forget what you want as an entrepreneur. Forget what your vision is. You're making money. You're going to keep making money. <laughs> and she has never once, I, and I can say that with 100% wow. conviction, she has never once made it about the money. Not once. Wow. You know, I want to just pause there for a second. It does seem like a common theme in most, if not all of our podcasts, is the support of the spouse and how significant that plays in the future of that individual. It could be the wife going down a journey, but it's the husband is supportive. It just seems like there's a common theme there that is very important, very, and underestimated probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have that, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it makes it about 10 times more, maybe 100 times more difficult. Nearly. Totally possible though, yeah. Yeah, I know going through a divorce, like if I didn't have Phil, I don't know where I would end up, you know? And so it's real. Mm. It's so real. And we see that all time and time again. So think digital is cruising. You're yep. growing rapidly. You're kind of a goal-oriented guy. That's a great point. And so you're you're growing. So walk us through. You're expanding employees. You're expanding <laughs> clients, resources. It's working. Yeah. I mean, from the outside looking in, it was like – Man, you know, I, now now having some some distance on it, I can look back at those first couple of years and realize how rare it is to be able to to launch and grow that quickly. Um, and I, the only thing I can really chalk it up to is I invested in mentors very early on and business coaches very early on, and I had built up. You know, I'd been building a mailing email list the entire time that I was working at the church. And never once did I tap those folks for, hey, buy this thing. Not once in those seven years. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to launch and make a really big ask from the list right up front. And it totally went bananas. Um, 
But one of the first things that I did was create a course, a digital marketing course, like paint by numbers, do this stuff and you'll succeed at digital marketing and launch that. And one of the things that was happening was people would go through the course, they would see, wow, this takes a lot of work. <laughs> and then they, than I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This, so, so it was like, so wait a minute, I can't just like post on Twitter and people will give me millions of dollars. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of being facetious, but kind of not. I think mm-hmm. a lot of folks did have that mentality. And, and when you walk through the nuts and bolts of it with them, they see, oh, hey, there's more to this than I thought. And so folks would come back and they would say, hey, will you just do that stuff for us? Can we just hire you to do it for us? And that is where kind of the agency component of the business got started. So it started out in education, an education company, if you will, consulting company is probably a better term for it. And then we started moving into services. And this is where, I don't want to say things got off track, but this is where I lost my way. (laughs) Ah, talk to me. Yeah, because what you had was I had global nonprofits. I had you know, seven figure businesses, um, most of which were either faith-based or they had ties to the faith-based community because that was my network at the time. They would say things like, Hey, we'll, we'll pay you. Or I would say to them like, Hey, uh, how about three grand a month to run your Twitter account? Mm. Um, or about five grand a month for consulting. And when you start stacking up checks like that, you know, the man, money talks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got sidetracked because number one, it was recurring revenue, which is like the Holy grail. Number two, they were checks that were interesting to me. Um, meaning like three grand a month to run a Twitter account. And, and I'm not making that up. That was literally what some folks were paying us. Wow. And there was no rhyme or reason. It was like, you know, I don't know if I'm ashamed to admit this. It's just reality, but I would go into it and think, okay, what's the pain that I'm solving for these folks? They don't have the know-how. They don't have the, the time to do this myself. So what's the value that I'm bringing? And I would just price it based on that. <laughs> wow. And there, there was no like, there was no, like now I would sit down and say, okay, what are the costs that go into that? What's a reasonable, you know, profit margin that I want to have? And I would base my price off that. Sure. Um, back then it was just, well, what do I feel like charging? Ugh. <laughs> I get how easy it is to do that. Yeah, it was. It was really yeah. easy. Um, and we did great work, but when those when those che- those checks start stacking up, you just get consumed with where's the next check? How could I get the next check? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the initial vision that I had for the company was was lost. Mm-hmm. And so when you bring in more checks like that, you have to hire more people. When you hire more people, it brings in more complexity. And when there's more complexity, you know stuff starts breaking. Let's put it that way. Yep. So anyways, you know, hiring more people brings in more complexity and complexity, you know, if it's not needed, there's, there's no better, um, uh, what's the word litmus test for a business than can your systems handle volume? (laughs) Can your systems and processes handle volume and ours could not because they were way too complex. Mm-hmm. And that's, like I said, when everything started breaking, um, 
but I was out there in the front chasing the high of selling because I could do it. Mm -hmm. I could close deals. I could close calls. I could close people. Um, it was almost well, adding to your huge catastrophe of a nightmare. It was the soul, like I look back on it now and this, this was not too long ago. I mean, we're talking about from April, 2017 to May, 2018 was kind of this, this massive growth in the company. Um, and you know, sales covers up a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I was just selling over our problems. Yep. Uh, until, like I said, stuff just started to split. It's like when you see, you know, rocket ships re-enter the atmosphere and they just start splintering <laughs> apart. <laughs> That's a great analogy. That was Think Digital at the time. Wow. So, so how, many, how many years ago, months ago was that? Um, I would say everything crashed like for real May, June, 2018. Okay, so this was yeah, a year ago, basically yeah. 12 months ago. Yeah. And how many people were you had employed to try to uh, duct tape this rocket together at that um, You know, give or take, it was around seven to 10 part-time, full-time folks. And what was your number one thing that was like, we've got a rocket ship held together with literally duct tape <laughs> and it's coming into the atmosphere hot. You know, it was... Um, it was, it was interesting to me because when I really started to take notice was when I was like, so, so part of our job at our agency at this point in the business, it was a hundred percent agency. There was zero, you know, programs happening. There was no, no consulting. It was just full on agency work. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, Hey, we're delivering results for clients, but they're still like getting super pissed at us. Mm. Why are they so mad? <laughs> why is everybody so angry <laughs> yeah like we're we're i can i can see here objectively speaking we are doing what we have been hired to do but why is everybody so unhappy mm. and long story short it traced it back to well clients are unhappy because the team is unhappy interesting and why is the team unhappy well because they're just gassed um doing things well, that they're not supposed to be doing Totally. And I wasn't, you know, it's not their fault, but I wasn't hearing about a lot of stuff and there was just fractures and splinters and stuff that they would not have known how to fix on their own. And so because I didn't know about it, we couldn't address it. We couldn't fix it again. Not their fault. Totally my fault because another interesting thing has started happening was as more, I added more clients and as we added more clients, it added more complexity as we added more complexity the more layers I put between myself and clients and then eventually myself and team members because mm -hmm. I just don't want to deal with it to the point where the only thing I was doing was selling mm. um, and then just basically saying, I don't want to hear about anything else. Wow. Just, yeah. be, just putting your blockers on. <laughs> totally. Ugh. At the detriment of uh, business. Yeah. And so, so like May, June of 2018, there was a, a few core team members that I was really, you know, pinning my hopes on for basically saying, Hey, I'm going to build this business up and then I'm going to sell it and I'm going to sell all the assets attached to it. 
And, you know, a buyer is going to want to know that when I walk out the door, half their value doesn't go with it. Hmm. And one of the ways, obviously, to do that is to have a really strong management team in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I had spent a lot of time trying to build up that management team. And May, June was when they were all like, screw you, I'm going home. Wow. So this isn't worth it. Taking my ball. <laughs> leaving this playground. Yeah. Ah. And slowly but surely, like one after another, the dominoes fell. And that took about, I mean, it was a slow, painful death. It's not like everybody marched into my office and said, we're out. Mutiny. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like from May till probably October, just a slow, choking, painful death. <laughs> Such I, colorful adjectives and words from. from well, that's what it felt like. I mean, it felt I, like totally. I was dying. What, what was your health at that point? Like, <laughs> like, let's just talk through it. Like, did you, were you struggling? Did your wife see this? Like, give us the lay of the land here with Justin Wise and the Carrie, Carrie Wise and, and the whole family dynamic. Um, I would say, honestly, it did not fully set in until October. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. Because I was in like, you know, as entrepreneurs, we like to solve problems. And so to me, I looked at that span from May. It's like, uh, it's like trying to do CPR on a corpse. Yes. It's you not going to work. You, you might feel good about yourself, like you're trying to help this corpse mm-hmm. live. But unless you're Jesus, man, that thing is staying dead. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Good night. It, it's gone. Yep. It's dead already. And that was like me doing CPR from May till October. I felt like I was doing something, but then it got to the point where it was like, okay, rigor mortis has set in. But then, yeah, you just realize you're making out with a corpse. Yeah. Yeah. I was French kissing a corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please be that. That needs to be the thing that just gets pulled out of this podcast. (laughs) Kissing a corpse. (laughs) Okay, so, so we realized this. What 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 started changing then? Do you just throw everybody out? You throw the bathwater and the baby out and start all over? Is that what happens? Yeah, I mean, I got really mad. I got mad. I got angry, and uh, I just started like, just like there was one one person on our team who blessed this person's heart. This they just they I we I just had to say goodbye to them. Mm. That was the only firing I did in this whole time span. And it wasn't their fault, it was my fault. But after that, it was like, um, you know, I just got angry because yeah. my vision for what I wanted to do was gone, it was dead, and really had a skeleton crew at that point and realized like, you know, we had 20 at our height, had 25 clients. Wow. Which is, which is no small task. I mean, that's, no. a, that's a large amount of clients. Mm-hmm. And as you, you know, with a skeleton crew, you cannot keep up 25 clients. No. And so I just started cutting clients left and right, you know, either directly or indirectly, directly saying, hey, well, this isn't working for me anymore, or indirectly saying, raising our prices. It was just a way to get everybody to go. Yeah. And then I want to talk, I want you to talk about pirates. When your clients turn into pirates, talk about that. Cause I think this is a really interesting, um, I would say definition that you use. And I think that a lot of people could resonate if they're in the same spot of making out with a corpse. <laughs> 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 so, 
so well, pirate, there's like define so, so, it. so the, the pi- client pirates came from I would say the period of November 2018 to the end of 2018. So that two months, basically around the holidays, I just took inventory. Mm. It was like, you know, I had been on a, a Coke binge and I was now having to look at what I've done on the binge. <laughs> it was a hangover. Yeah. And one of the things I realized was like, holy crap, I let clients run the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you let clients run the show, like they don't, they don't really want to run the show. Not really. They may act like they do. They may even say that they do. But they want somebody, at least in our industry, they want somebody to be in charge. They want somebody to lead. And I had not built the systems and processes in our business strong enough to give our team the permission and authority and confidence to do that. Mm-hmm. And so clients came in and basically just ordered them around, barked, you know, barked orders and, and ordered them around like servants. And because they didn't know anything different, that's kind of what it devolved into. And I likened it to pirates. You know, pirates, they don't really care what your objective is. They don't care where you're sailing to. They don't care who's on board. They are ruthless. They are criminals. Mm-hmm. They will board your ship, cut your throat, and throw you overboard and not think twice about it. Yeah. Because all they want is what you got. I think it's a good analogy. And our and Think Digital had been overrun by client pirates. Mm. And they were just, you know, stealing the booty. <laughs> and I don't think it was the digital booty. You they were stealing the digital like, booty. It was like you invited them on the ship. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't their fault. Wasn't their fault. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It was my fault. It was not their fault because I was like, hey, come on board, thinking that it would be some grand party, but it it, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um and not to like, you know, this is not to speak poorly of any client, but the relationship was kind of like, you know, with your kids, the relationship you have with your children, where they will do what you permit them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly the behavior that was happening in, in our business. I uh, think this is a, a key part in the story because this is the the biggest fear, right? When whether you do it or you never do it, the objection is always like, well, I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose everything. Uh, you know, the boat's going to burn down. And you kind of went through that and you're, you know, still probably in some ways going through the grieving process, went through anger and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, there's food on the table. Your amazing wife and kids are right there next to you. God is sovereign. You're still in your house. <laughs> You know, and you're rebuilding. And I think, I think that's like, to me, the beauty of all this, you know, is that you were willing to try and you did employ people for a long time and you paid people a lot of money and you did create a valuable product. And like those things were real, but the sustainability of it all was a different story. And so I think, you know, in our culture where we're so willing to kind of ransack the, the guy that's winning it's so we're so easy to jump on that ship of, you know, tear people down. Um, and it's such a success or failure type mentality, but you did a lot of great things in those years and you learned a lot and now you're taking those, those lessons and that wisdom and you're reapplying it. Right. hundred percent. And so I think like 
we meet with a lot of people and they tell us the things they want to do. And then, uh, you know, then you hear the objections and it's like, you're still going to have the people that love you. You're still going to have food on the table. You're still going to have clothes on your back. You're still going to have your church or your support network, you know, and you're going to learn something about yourself that you kind of wanted to learn, but you were just really scared. And now, you know, totally kind of accurate. Yeah. I mean, let me, let me, um, let me pull this back to, uh, I hope I'm not betraying a confidence here, but I, I, I spoke to a person. Uh, I remember speaking to them. This is back in probably 2007 when I was working at the church. And I remember them saying, you know, I could tell they weren't happy. I could tell they didn't want to be working there. They were probably, I would say early forties, maybe mid forties at the time. And this conversation has always stuck with me because it ended with this person saying, well, if I went and did what I really wanted to do, it may, it may not work. And this is all I know how to do anyway. Mm. And I was like, I mean, that just hit me like a ton of bricks because mm. here is this person who thinks they're, they're out to pasture. And so they're staying in a job that they don't really enjoy. And they'll probably stay in that. In fact, that person is, still right where they were back in 2007. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I cannot imagine a worse fate. Mm. I just, I can't, I cannot fathom a worse fate than to be stuck in something that you don't really like, but the only reason you're there is because it's a paycheck. I mean, let's call it what it is. Mm -hmm. And so my, when I look back on these past couple of years, it's really been that evolution of, of being willing to say, if I have a superpower, it's that ability to say, this is not what I imagine. Yeah, it's making money. Yes, it's successful from the outside looking in. This is not what I want. Mm-hmm. You got and pirates this is on your ship. <laughs> you got pirates on your ship. You shouldn't be living like that. Yes, it's not what I want. It's not serving these people the best way. What do I really want? Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough people ask that in business. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people ask the question, where's the market need, which is a good question to ask, but enough, not enough people ask, what do I want? Oh, and then where's the market need? Mm. How does that all fit together? Well, that's what, I mean, I honestly, that's what I'm trying to figure out right now mm. because I want to produce stuff that I'm at the end of the day that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. And so, so my main, really since the beginning of 2019, my main focus has been on three questions. What do I want? Well, how do I want to spend my time? And what do I want my output to be? <laughs> and really just centering in on those, those, those three questions because, you know, I think about, about like your favorite artist, okay? I doubt my, one of my favorite artists is Mark Rothko. He happens to be dead, but... Mark Rothko probably never sat around and said, what does the market need? (laughs) Fake Rembrandt type stuff, because I think the market will buy it. Totally. He did not, he he was most likely thinking to himself, what is in me that needs to get out? Mm -hmm. Yes. And the more faithful he was to that process, the more people resonated with what he was producing. Rothko had paintings. I have a business. It's the same principles. Mm Mm-hmm. And so really focusing on what am I proud to be producing uh, and letting that guide the way. Well, I think, you know, we see a lot as we're exploring 
you know, marketing and e-content and stuff. And you can, you can see a lot of these guys, they're making a ton of money and then they're just on to the next thing because the market will buy it. And I, I just question of like, that's great that you can go live on a beach or drive a Lamborghini and you're kind of just taking money from people, you know, and there may be a value transaction there. I hope there is, but like, what are you doing? And yeah. like, what are you giving back? And what is sustainable? Mm-hmm. Because you kind of got to keep in right if you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And at some point you're going to get caught yeah. or it's not going to be, you're not going to get that high, so to speak. And yeah. so, I think that's really where Philip and I have tried to center on this uncommon message is just like, you know, you can do this, this, there's so many different ways to make money. Um, and you don't have to be a chameleon. Yeah. And we're all gifted and so unique. Good. So you're, you, you believe in God and you have a relationship with the Lord and you were a pastor and you've been through the desert. <laughs> you've come out, you probably feel like you're emerging on the other side a little bit, but it's still a little dry and, <laughs> I could see it over there, but <laughs> I could use some water, Lord. And, but uh, <laughs> what what has this done for your faith? And I, I, they're just That's a great question. Yeah, like what has this done for your faith and your relationship with God and your relationship with your wife? And yeah, you know, I would sum this up by saying I read a great book. Uh, it's called With by Sky Jathani, and it encapsulates kind of that question that you just asked. And, you know, the author Sky, he talks about basically people live their lives in relationship to God in one of four ways. Um, Let me just summarize it by saying most folks live in their relationship with God, either, Hey God, if you do this for me, then I'll do that. Mm -hmm. They live under kind of this authoritative rule uh, with this picture of God that is, you know, uh, this this kind of disconnected disembodied you know all-knowing being out there somewhere out there and not here mm. um people treat god as a jackpot uh, as a slot machine um and then they also go out and basically try and live for god i'm gonna go do this for god I'm, and 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 the author's premise is no the, the actual point of this whole relationship with god and uh, through jesus is to live with god Mm-hmm. And I would say if I were to boil down everything into kind of a sentence, it's learning how to live with him in the midst of all this stuff mm-hmm. and letting him lead and guide and seeing that the point isn't to get through this. The point isn't to say, Hey God, get me through this. Mm-hmm. The point isn't, to even learn lessons from this. The point is to say, I'm going through this and he is there with me. That's the point. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the, the, the end game. That's why. <laughs> not for anything else. It's not to, so I can you know, get through this and then have a successful business again. That's not the point. Wow. The point isn't, Oh, hey, God wants to teach me some lesson. That's not the point. The point is I'm I'm learning, I've learned, and I and I am learning how to live with him. That's good, man. That is good. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. 
Preach You're it. You're welcome. Preach it, brother. <laughs> brother Justin. Well, I think too is uh, one last thing I want to hit on, and we've kind of talked about this maybe more in private, but you've been in the church side, you've been in the business side, and you're saying, man, I want to be on the business side, yeah. but I still want to be connected to the church. I still want to give. I still want to serve. I still want, I'm with God. He is with me. Do you feel like we as Christians have abdicated our role to like comfort and being an employee and, and taking the safe route? And I, I want to be careful how I ask this or present it, but I just think like we have so much talent and the default is to like get a job and we have the creator of the known world who wants a lifetime and everlasting relationship with us. And we're trying to just get a paycheck and play it safe. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about your story is, is you've been willing to stand up each time and like, I'm going to go for this and he's going to be with me in it. And I just think that we as Christians, especially with everything going on in society, like we have got to reassert ourselves in the business community and doing business the right way with the right values, with God and serving people in a, in a way and using the business platform to advance the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I don't 100%. know if you have any thoughts on that. I don't know if I even asked you a question. I was going to say, <laughs> well, more of a statement. I mean, I mean, look at it this way. You know, one of the things that I knew, I knew that I knew, this is one of the reasons why I sold off kind of the, the church side of the business back in the day. I did not want to be, oh, oh, hey, here's Justin's business in the Christian business directory. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. I don't want to hang a Jesus fish in my storefront window. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to be that type of business. Yeah, I kind of agree. And so, so, so I think a lot of Jesus people in business or Jesus people who want to be in business think to themselves um, or maybe feel hesitant because they think, oh, I have to be like, that's what I, I have to be that way. <laughs> you know, I have to fly that flag. I have to have like, I have to be this weird Christian business person, like a weirdo. Uh, you know, creepy weirdo that never swears and never drinks and doesn't cuss or dance. When you look at the at Jesus, he's like, hey, go and use, take lessons from the world and how to use money to win friends and influence people. Mm -hmm. It's there. He's saying, use your money. You, the, 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 the sons of the world is what he says, are so much smarter than you. <laughs> They're so much more influential. They, they use their heads. They're wise as serpents, gentle as doves. That's what he tells us to be like. We've got the gentle as doves part down. We don't have the wise as serpents part down. Because we think it's somehow wrong or icky or gross. I totally agree. You know, Jesus was at those parties. He did make water into wine. And he was at those parties that were engaging people. And people were like, I want to go talk to that guy. Like yep. he was attractive to other people because he was speaking their language. He was understanding who they were. Yeah, he was completely different, completely. But he wasn't completely different, isolated in a corner by himself. He was out in the world. And I totally agree with you in that, that we need to be that. We need to be in the world. We need to be understanding of the world, but we don't have to be conformed of the world. We just have to be Jesus-like in it 
and be attractive to other people so we can spread his good news, spread the gospel to other people. And I love what you're doing in your business. And I love the fact that you took a complete 180 and said, nope, I want to reset that. And I think if businesses out there right now that are struggling with that, I want you to be encouraged by Justin and his history and the path he's on. Because I would say the first thing you'd say is, I haven't figured it out yet, but it's way closer to being in line with what I want this business to be created like. And it aligns more with my gifts and passions. And when you do that, you get way more excited to wake up in the morning. You don't hate your life and you're excited to see what tomorrow brings. So Justin, thank you so much for your wisdom, for your vulnerability, and just your, your just passion to infuse faith into your business and maybe abort mission when you needed to do. Because no one wants to be making out with a dead corpse. <laughs> Nobody. So how do our listeners listen and hear more about you? I know you have a podcast. I know you have, you know, you have newsletters. Tell us about it because our listeners will probably be reaching out. Just go to thinkdigital.co. Everything we do is there. It's all there. And you can get a hold of me. That's probably the easiest place to go. Podcast, newsletter, all that good stuff. Thinkdigital.co. Love it. Justin, it has been a pleasure. You have been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. Justin definitely has an uncommon life. And we get the pleasure of hanging out with him every now and then to walk with him on that. So guys, if you want more information about us, it is the uncommonwealth.com. I've been your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. And there is no the, it's just uncommonwealth.com. Unreal. <laughs> do you just edit that or you just go with that? I love just it. go with it. I do. Just go with it. I love it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project. Brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.